0: Surgeon General warns social media isn't safe for teens. And later, how do you know you found the right church? You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host Brian Fromm on this Thursday evening. We're so glad that you are with us today. As always, if you've missed any of today's show, we'd love to invite you to go back and catch up on our podcast, wherever it is you cast those pods of yours, and we'd love to invite you to subscribe, rate, and review. We also enjoy engaging with you on social media, and we've been dying to hear crazy wedding stories from you, so if you have a crazy (laughs) wedding story or you know of one, tell us on our social media, at Common Good Talk on Facebook. We want to hear from you some of those stories we might share on the air next week. Brian, earlier we talked about the growing um, sadness amongst teen girls and what that right. may or may not mean. Interestingly, just a, I think it was just a couple days ago, the Surgeon General essentially announced something that we all know. Uh, but he basically says that we have a teen mental health crisis and his advisory team is calling attention to the link between social media use and depression and anxiety in children and adolescents which isn't i mean hearing that it's not a surprise up to 95% of teens between the ages of 13 and 17 say they use a the social media platform. About a third say they're scrolling, posting, or otherwise engage with social media, quote, almost constantly, which is a little bit wild to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this report that the Surgeon General put together uh, has research that links social media use and poor mental health in adolescents. Um, listen to this, Brian. Last year, students in grades 8 through 10, so eight and 10. All right. So Mm -hmm. let's see, I've got a sophomore and I've got a seventh grader. Our kids are around this age. Basically. They said they spent more time each day on the platform, three out on various platforms, three hours and 30 minutes on average. Um, anyway, none of this is like shocking. I don't think except that it's clearly like there's now research saying that there's some clear connection between social media and the rates of teenage depression, sadness and hopelessness. Where before we've made guesses, it looks like some of this research is also saying, yeah, it's a problem. And the Surgeon General's report also blames social media for perpetuating eating disorders, mm-hmm. body dysmorphia, low self-esteem Etc., there's also a suggestion saying that, and this one doesn't surprise you either, but there's a possible link between excessive social media and ADHD in teens. That makes sense. Okay, basically, what I am reading is social media bad for teens, (laughs) and we've talked about this before. Like, at some point, is there, I mean, parents, parents, parents that's the first kind of measuring step here right? right the first uh gap stop stop gap but also i, I mean i keep wondering do we need to put an 18 year old te- teenage or age limit on all social media period
1: so i just don't know how you would ever do that yeah like right you know it's like how, what was it the state of montana uh ban tiktok and you're like how do you ban an app like i don't right. know and i know it has to do with platforms but Hey, anything we've learned about our kids is they're smarter than we are technology wise, yeah. and so I do think it lies in the lap of the parents. And here's where I struggle. I mean, I've got three teenagers; uh, they've all got phones. You yep. know, the old saying is, "It sometimes it feels like the toothpaste is out of the tube." Like yeah, right. You're not. Social media is not going away. Right. It's only going to become more. Uh, something our kids are doing and yeah. something. So I do get concerned How much my kids just mindlessly Scroll mm-hmm. um, So I do I, I think in the end it becomes on us to go Hey this is actually a big deal that we need to talk To them about I yeah. don't talk to my kids about social Media I trust them but I don't yeah. I've never sat my kids down and been Like what effect does social Media have on you <laughs> right but I do know That they're on it all the time so I don't know That government intervention and banning is the answer. Uh, I just know that probably a lot of parents are like me and go, yeah, this does seem like a big deal, but I've never talked to my kids yeah. about it. And we've never had an actual conversation. I've never asked them. It was the weirdest thing. My, my oldest daughter, I've told you, she just got back from Europe, right? Yeah. She, was, she was overseas. Awesome trip. All so the cool. stuff. Great her to have pictures her home. were
0: amazing. I, I got yep. to see some of them.
1: Uh, the other day I went and picked her up at the airport. I was driving her home and we were talking and she just made this Total like flippant remark. Like it wasn't about anything we were talking about. She was on her phone and she goes, it was kind of nice not to be on my phone all week.
2: Hmm. And I was like, hmm. I, did, I didn't
1: even press it or ask it. It just kind of went out there as we were going. And I was like, man, that's an interesting quick yeah, tell is. there. She didn't miss it. She wasn't like, oh, if." I, and obviously she was on Instagram some or whatever, yeah, but sure. not like she is here or had the opportunity. And yeah. you're like. If If we all feel like it's it's a nice thing, why don't we do why don't we make it more regular?
0: More regular times when you're putting the phone aside or you're just not on it or like right. or maybe it's not even you know to reverse it like it's not even just when you're putting the phone aside. it's like, here are the times I pick it up. And so you're, mm-hmm. you're, it becomes like not the thing that is controlling your life. I think where I would push back on government intervention is I think if we, there's a lot of things we do to protect our kids. Like mm-hmm. they're not allowed to smoke until they're 18 years old. They're not allowed to drink until they're 21. We know kids get around that, but it doesn't mean yep. you don't prohibit it just because like kids will be kids. So there is a part of me that still, I mean, I still feel like parents first step, no matter what sure. parents need to have the conversation parents need to set the rules parents need to and i also agree with you like toothpaste out of the tube similarly though if or at the same time if we're if we know there is scientific research saying this is bad for our teens i do feel like there's got to be some regulatory steps taking place yeah. and i again teenagers can go online and lie about how old they are but i still don't think that means you don't do anything about it
1: that's a good point i'm yeah. i'm okay with that especially if we Continue to get data that it's bad. I guess I, I'm i not a technology guy. Yeah. And so sometimes I think I look at the Internet kind of like the Wild West. Like yeah. How how would you stop somebody from – but you make a valid point. You know, the kid can go get cigarettes, but we still tell them they can't. We still uh, tell them they can't, go. yeah. So that's a valid point. And when you've got the, it you, – you've got it rising to the level of the surgeon general saying – um. You know, this is harmful. That is the Surgeon General's job to kind of say this is bad. This is this is hurting our culture, our country. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess you make a valid point. I, I, I want to, though, land it on the parents and say, you know what? Here, I've had this thought. I just had this thought the other day. Hey, when we go on vacation this summer, our family should just like come up with a, a strategy that we're going to not have our phones. Yes. Yeah,
0: we're not gonna absolutely. We're going to have our phones.
1: And you wonder what my first thought was when I thought that. What? I'm not sure. I want to be without my phone.
0: <laughs> so this like is it not wasn't you. like, can my
1: kids do this? How will it be? It was.
0: Do I want to? I don't to? know. I don't know. If I, I, want I don't know to. that I want to
1: do that. And so they learned this from us. Yeah, it's what we talked it's about so yesterday. True. There's a lot of learning from us, but they. They take it to another level, right? They're on their phones more than we are. They are. They're on They're stuff. on it
0: a lot more than we are. We, we do. We go on a family vacation to a lake in Oklahoma every year, and we definitely let our kids be on their devices on the way down because it's a 13-hour drive. And I don't know how parents did long road trips before that, although we did. There were years when, like, they were just, like, watching portable DVDs, you know. But once we get there, they're not allowed to be on screens. And that is hard. It's hard even as a parent because you want to go for yours and grab it. And it's like usually after dinner, after we've all kind of hung out for a while, we're like, okay, you can have some screen time now. But we try our hardest during the day just to be like, Nope, we're on a family vacation. We will play board games. We will talk. <laughs> we won't, won't read won't books. Enjoy.
1: It's so weird. I I, I appreciate the surgeon general. They said, We know all of these things. Yeah. Right? We do know them. But it's yeah. just like I don't know. I like to mindlessly scroll on my phone. I
0: know, Brian. And you know I who
1: know. else likes to mindlessly scroll on their phone? My Teenagers. children. Yep,
0: exactly. And when they
1: mindlessly scroll on their phone, I feel freedom to mindless, mindlessly scroll on my phone. Yeah, like, so it's
0: probably up to the parents to make some of the really changes do. and I, set the I example. Think, but you
1: do make a valid point. I don't think – you know, we say the same thing about guns. Like We shouldn't just throw our hands up and go, we can't yeah, do anything. Yeah. Like, we should societally – take a hard look but parents you're number one on that discussion yeah
0: that's exactly right all right coming up next when do you know you found the right church we're going to talk about that when we return you're listening to the common good on am 1160 hope for your life you've heard brian and i say several times that we are both pastors and so we like talking about church
1: we like the church.
0: Yes. And we've also kind of talked about what we would look for in a church if we weren't currently working at slash leading churches. Uh, but Brian, for the the person who is not leading a church, just looking for a church, if someone were to come to you and say, like, what should I look for in a church? How do I know I found the right church? Any pieces of advice you'd say, like, bottom line, you need to make sure it's this, this, this. Everything else is up for grabs.
1: Yeah, I I think at the heart of it, I'd want to know what they're teaching and what they believe, yeah. right? Is it, yeah. generally speaking, is it orthodox Christianity? Is mm. it like, like I'd want to, you, you need to know what's being taught. Is there a hope in Jesus? Is there a reliance on the gospel? Yeah. Is there, so I'd want to know foundationally, what do they believe? Yeah. So that is it. Uh, secondly, I'd want to know, um, You know, I I guess I'd want to know, are they um, trying to do anything to reach people? Like, Mm. right? Are they they loving the lost in any way? Are they caring for the downtrodden in any way? Mm, Like, what's this church is trying? I guess a better way to ask it is, what is this church trying to accomplish? Is this church trying to accomplish Mm, anything?
0: That's really good.
1: So I guess I would want to ask that. And then the third thing I'd want to know is, like, can I form relationships here? Like, obviously... A lot of that depends on me. Like, am I willing to do the work? Right. But if I am willing to engage in this church, am I going to, do I see an avenue towards relationships that will matter? Because you and I talk about all the time, community matters. Yeah. The church is a community. It's a family. Can I have an opportunity to know others uh, and to grow in my faith? So Those are kind of the things I would be looking for. And
0: are there any like, um, um, Obviously, I know the gospel is sort of like a non, like they need to be teaching the Bible, teaching the gospel, like you said. Are there any things that you'd kind of be like, if but if they're about this, I don't care. Like um, non-essentials. What are the non-essentials for you? Or what are the things you'd be like, okay, I can live with that. It may not be my favorite, but mm, that's a uh, weird question to ask, I know. But I was just curious if you, you had know, any things that you'd be like, man, eh, that's not, I don't care about that.
1: I don't, I would like to think that if I were choosing a church... Uh, music style would be lower on my list. Yeah, I don't know if that's actually true. Yeah, because you have opinions
0: like, about worship music.
1: I would like to think that, and, and I have stronger opinions about like the theology of the songs we sing. Yeah, and this, that, but yeah, but I would like to think that I could, I could put up with, you know, maybe a style. So I'm talking more style, style. but actually. I actually don't know that I could. I would yeah. like to think that I would. Yeah. I don't actually know that I could. Yeah. Um
0: Do you so think that, you would pick a small church or a big church, or would that be a non essential?
1: That'd be a non essential. Yeah, for I think me, that I think. would be
0: a non essential for me too.
1: I've wondered if if I left the pastorate and was looking for a church with all that I know, I actually wonder if I wouldn't try out a bigger church, but end up at a smaller church. Interesting. I, think I'm, I'm, yeah. I think I'm wired for a small church, but Just I've never been community. in like an enormous church. So yeah. I do wonder if we'd be like, hey, let's go try that out and yeah. then end up landing on yeah. more of a church that, that is smaller. So what do you think?
0: So, I, I mean, I would like echo everything you said. Um, I think some things for me that would not be essentials for other people, and I recognize don't have to be, but would be important for me. Uh, like, I would need to see women in leadership across all fronts at this church. I would need to see diversity in leadership across all fronts at this church. Wouldn't matter to me if it's big or small, I don't think. Like, I'm cu- I'm curious, kind of based on what you said, if I tried a really large church for a while, what I would think. Um, and then, uh, certainly, like, loving Jesus, loving neighbor, uh, biblically faithful— and and I love what you said about a sense of like what are they about? Like what are they right. m- kind of moving people towards and and like um loving the least of these, that kind of thing feels really, really important.
1: Do you know what's something I think I would do, and this probably goes against me saying, Oh, I'd probably try a big church just for fun. Uh, I actually think I would I would early on contact the pastor. Yep. And say, can we meet at Starbucks or Panera or whatever? Let me buy you a drink or whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: And, like, this is going to sound weird. I think I just want to like that person.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: I want to – I don't need to be best friends with the pastor. Like, I'd want to introduce myself, tell them my history. But I would want to (laughs) – this is going to sound so odd, but I think people will get it. I would want to walk out of that Starbucks meeting going, that's a regular person. I like that person. I would – I would enjoy being led by. I would enjoy. Okay, even if more you're than at a, are at oh go
0: ahead. I'm going to ask a follow-up question. I guess I go would ahead. like
1: to think even more than—I don't want to go to a church with a boring preacher, but, like, even more than, like, they're super dynamic or super charismatic. Yeah, totally. I would want to be able to—not the first week, but I'd want to be able to spend some time with the pastor and just go, okay, I would like being under that person and learning from them and kind of following them.
0: So that was going to be a question of mine. Like, let's say, let's say you send that email and it's a large church and you find that the pastor like doesn't meet with the people or is like, I'm so sorry, but I can send my associate pastor. Does that bug you enough that you're like, "Mm, this isn't the church for me? Because, you know, that's real at some of the larger
1: churches. So I, I think I know enough about church that. If I chose to go to a larger church, uh-huh. I would expect that. Yeah. I would expect gotcha. that sort of distance. Gotcha. I, it would bug me if nobody was willing to get right, together with me. Right. If
0: there was like but no leader.
1: I know at a smaller church like I and you are at, it's hard enough to meet with people as, <laughs> the, as the lead pastor. <laughs> totally. And if I went to a church of multiple thousand yeah. people, I, I better not get all upset when when the
0: Pastor, senior pastor is like, you. Hey, I
1: don't have time to yeah. do this, right, but right. if they told me, if they said nobody will meet with you, that's then I'd, I'd have a big problem with that. Yeah, but I think I'm telling you that I probably end up at a smaller church. Cause I would want to meet with the senior pastor. I would want to introduce myself, hear about the church. Uh, it's the same thing that I like doing with people at my church. So I'd want to be with somebody who wants to do that. Yeah. I think yeah. I, think I, I think believe that.
0: No, I think, I think it's interesting. There's a part of me that would, because there's some things about really big church that I do like, and there's a part of me that would love a season, almost like a sabbatical season to just sort of mm. like be at a really big church and just learn some things and see some things. And like, I don't know, just cause I've been in small churches forever, really, And so I think that might be kind of fun. Um, but then I, I wonder back to what you're saying, where I would end long-term would it be interesting? It'd be interesting to find out. Okay. Well over at relevant magazine, they're asking, uh, how do I know it's the right church for me? Let me, let me read, uh, it's Tucker Ficklin. He's got three questions. Let me uh, have you rate these. Okay. One is the church fostering true spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. Two, are there opportunities to serve and use my God-given abilities? Three, does the church value community?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, Tell me, uh, you you know, community, that was something you said. The only thing that I feel like is really different here that neither of us said is, are there opportunities to serve and use my God-given abilities?
1: Yeah, though, that's a good one. Number one feels awfully arrogant to me.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, it like, kind of does, doesn't
1: it? I do want, don't get me wrong, I want a church that if I were to plug in and be a part of it, that I will be challenged to grow. And I, like, I want that. Like, I get that.
0: Uh huh.
1: But, man, the question feels really arrogant. Is the church fostering? Well, maybe that's on you.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Or maybe that's really messy. So in some ways the church does do a good job, and in some ways they don't. I guess I'm showing my own cards that I get mad when people are like, oh, I'm just not growing here. I have to go. And I'll be like... You're here once a month. Like right. what am I supposed to do? Right. You know what I mean? Like
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I will say I felt a little bit that way about are there opportunities to serve and use my God given abilities? Because although I think that absolutely should be true and right and like the church everyone is the church, right? So that needs to yeah. happen. A little bit of that is sort of like if I can't bring my talents and special gifts to this church, then it isn't mm-hmm. where I belong. Feels a little wrong. Like it doesn't feel serving hearted. You-
1: what if you say, are there opportunities to use my talents and God-given abilities? I'm like, you are more than, you're a dynamic teacher. We've got a spot in the fourth grade class for you. <laughs>
0: exactly. We would love well, for you to go out to the streets saw, and preach as, the homeless. Like, yeah, <laughs> That's
1: right. That's right. You want right. to clean the church on there during the week? Sure.
0: <laughs> well, all right. So things to consider if you are looking for the right church for you. Coming up next... A celebrity is talking about the difficulty of being a single mom. We're going to talk about that when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Brian, I want to talk about a celebrity that is actually, I think, really hated, but I have such a fond affection for this family. The Kardashians.
1: You love them. You I, love them.
0: I do. You know what? I was sick a few weeks ago. I don't know if our listeners will remember that um, my RA flared up. And I ended up watching a lot more Kardashian episodes of things that I care to admit and including uh, the card. I can't uh, which sister was it? one of the weddings in Italy. And it was so over the top and like expensive and wowza. I watched that. And it was oh, it was Courtney. It was Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker, and that was very uh. entertaining. Okay, so the reason I'm bringing up my favorite celebs, the Kardashians, is because recently Kim Kardashian start started talking a little bit more openly about being a single mom. She's parenting four children under the age of ten after divorcing Kanye West, and she has been really, really um, intentional. About not saying too many bad things about Kanye West publicly, and I've heard her say on The Kardashians that you know it's because they are her kids' dad. Right. And so she she doesn't want to badmouth him. She does try to keep them away from social media as much as possible. But she went on a podcast recently where she she said it. No one's ever said it or she's never said it this lately. But she said co-parenting with West was so bad word hard. And she said, I'm holding on by a thread. I know that I am close to that not happening, but while it is still that way, I will protect that to the end of the earth as long as I can. She's talking about how her kids don't know that essentially. She mm-hmm. said, I definitely protected Kanye. I still will, in the eyes of my kids, for my kids. In my home, my kids don't know anything that's going on in the outside world. Essentially, she just talks about how, you know, being a single mom, it's full of quote, madness, but she enjoys mm-hmm. it. Parenting has taught her a lot of things about herself. So she talks about parenting being the most rewarding job there is. She's working on being a little bit firmer as a parent, etc. But then there's this reality, of course, of like doing it as as a single mom, but then doing it with this ex-husband that, honestly, publicly is got a bad reputation.
1: Yeah, he's, he's and, a little—he's uh, a little weird.
0: Yeah, he's a little weird. He's a little off. There's no doubt about it. Okay, so what do you think about this, Brian? Like the obviously, I can't—I have no idea what it's like to be a single mom. It is probably really, 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 really difficult. I love all the single moms in the world, and they deserve all of the rewards and the trophies. Um do you what are your thoughts about her protecting her kids from the reality of who their dad is 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 that something it's hard to put ourselves in her shoes
1: right
2: but well, it's so first... public
0: is this realistic go ahead
1: uh i mean the internet everything lives there right no, if they I haven't know, already yeah. there's going to come a day where the kids google yeah. their dad yeah um but I, I think it's respectable. Like you hear this, take yeah. it out of the celebrity world. You hear this in divorce situations. I always have high respect for divorced parents who genuinely um, have the kid's best interest in mind. Yeah. Uh, and therefore always speak well of each other, even though, you know, you get divorced, you probably don't have a great relationship. I know that sometimes you do, but a lot, yeah. most of the time, you I assume you don't. But Aubrey, what I read when, when I first read this or heard this, my first thought, and I understand that divorce happens. I understand, uh, oftentimes it's justified, right? Like, yeah. so this is not like an anti divorce rant necessarily. Yeah. But uh, when I read this, I just thought to myself, divorce is, is painful.
0: It is totally it, painful.
1: It has ramifications on kids mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm not saying, you know, divorce will never happen or this or that, but I'm just saying it's not the way it was meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I I have great sympathy for people who are listening, who are divorced and there's good reason for it. Yes. But even when there's good reason for it, uh, you weren't meant to parent alone as yeah. a single mom or a single dad yeah. and kids weren't meant to, hmm. you know, stay at this parent's house and then go to that parent's mm-hmm. house. Like it's messy. It's painful. It's never a good thing. Even yeah. when it's a justified thing, that's the first thing. It made, that's what made me sad. She's a celebrity and probably has all of this help of nannies and
0: of course she does. Relatives yeah. And, yeah. Stuff. and she it's still super does.
1: difficult and it's yeah. still super difficult and painful. Yeah. Uh, and you know, It's it probably happens sometimes, but it's very few and far between where kids get older and they're like, you know, what was the best thing in my life when my parents split? And so it
0: is it is interesting because I've sat with some people who've talked about their own divorce or thinking of divorcing. And they're like, yeah, my kids told me they really they're for it. Like they think it Mm. will be better. But you know what? I've sat with a lot of adult children of divorce and they're. 45 years old still brought to tears over their parents divorcing. Like that still feels like a tragedy in their lives. And so of course, if it's a, we're not, we're saying if there's a situation of abuse, et cetera, like get out, Brian and I would never advise somebody to stay in something like that. Um, but I think the point is no matter if a divorce should, should happen, it's painful. The ripple effects are painful. The generational effects, effects are painful. And, even someone like Kim Kardashian, who seems like she has every resource at her beck and call, and she probably mm-hmm. does. It's still painful. And she's having to shield her kids from the reality of some things with their dad, and that's going to be part of their story their whole life. And I I also think there's something here. I, I do really appreciate, as bizarre as it is, I appreciate her example not to badmouth her kid's dad mm-hmm. as much as like he could be badmouthed. You know what I mean? But she's and I don't know what it's like behind the scenes. Some of this is on camera, but I do think there's something there like even if you go through a really really messy divorce to be that to be that parent who's choosing to take the high road and not like invalidate mouth betray the other parent in front of the kids feels like kind of a really Mature thing to do. I understand it's probably way more difficult than I could even right. begin to imagine. I, Feels like a healthy thing.
1: I, I, I don't want to take uh, take the opposite side of a Kardashian because you, you do love them. I don't take I don't it, Ryan. To... Take it. She did just do a podcast talking about how hard it is to. You're
0: right. Fair, fair, <laughs> fair, fair. So, I so did she do? Not... Did she do what she said she's doing? Yeah. I, no, no, no. That's fair. I do fair.
1: appreciate that she's in the home, <laughs> not ripping on their dad. Yeah. I, I do. I bet you she is, and I support, but she And probably she won't
0: say. let her kids listen to that podcast, but that's true. She did she, you're just right. go, I believe fair. this is on the, the day yeah. show. Going, that's fair.
1: Yeah, uh, co-parenting with him is is bleeping hard.
0: Yeah, fair. That was on a podcast that she was on. She was also on the Today Show, where she did not okay. say that. But yes, that's that's a that's a really good point. All right. Well, for any of you out there going through a divorce, thinking through divorce, we're praying for you. We have a lot of compassion for you. And I and I guess if you've known the pain of that, just know that Brian and I love you and. Man, what a what a difficult, difficult thing. The ripple effects of divorce and then having to be a single mom when you weren't prepared for it. Man, again, all the single moms in the world, including Kim Kardashian. We love you. Well, maybe except for Brian. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, coming up next, we are joined by Andy Partington. He's the author of a book called Hope in Addiction. He's going to help us understand uh, what it means for those caught in the grip of addiction and how we can help them. Mm. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. We are so thrilled to be joined by author Andy Partington. We're talking about his new book, Hope in Addiction, Understanding and Helping Those Caught in the Grip. Andy, thanks so much for being here to talk about this pretty heavy topic.
2: Yeah, mm, it is. It is. And it's, it's important to recognize that this is this is something that affects people at, at a, a deep and, and yeah, serious level. So yeah, it is heavy.
0: So I, I guess I'm making a jump here and a guess here. But is is part of you writing this book uh, born out of your own story?
2: you know it's it is and it isn't um it isn't out of my own personal story of of a fight with addiction um i've 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 experienced what we've all experienced which is a which is a fight with bad habits Mm -hmm. um but but i wouldn't call it an addiction but it is in the sense that i grew up in a residential rehab and my work and and my focus in in adult life has been this world so it's it's deeply personal um, in that respect wow
1: andy i want to talk about Um, I I was reading some of your stuff about opioid addiction in America, and Mm -hmm. I just don't think most people realize what's going on out there, just how rampant and how just dangerous this is. Can you enlighten us a little bit about specifically opioids in, in, in the U.S.?
2: Mm, yeah it, it it really is a serious issue it's interesting 80% of the world's opioid supply is consumed on US soil which is 4% of the global population Wow. And when we're talking about opioids we're talking about synthetic opiates so we're talking about Painkillers, um, prescribed painkillers, and then we're talking about obviously street drugs um, that, are, that are man-made. Um, it's it's a really serious issue. Um, overdose is the leading cause of death in the U.S. of, of those under 50, um, which just gives you a, a sense of it. You know, substance use disorder, the population with substance use disorder is more than the population of California. Wow. wow. Um, so it's, it's a big deal. Uh, it really is.
0: Um, Andy, so Brian and I are both pastors, and so we're, we are we like to think through this lens as far as like what can the church do better? Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts about that in your research and your writing and your own experience?
2: There, there's a few things. Uh, and for me, part of the motivation writing the book was really to say, let's take this issue from the edge of the camp. And, and even sort of outside the camera, let's bring it into the middle. And I think actually that the heart to say, "Hey, we live in an addicted culture. We're all dealing with this. So let's 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 bring this in." And mm. I think the first step, once you've made that kind of heart decision to say, "Wait a second, this isn't just for celebrate recovery. This isn't just for team challenge." Mm. Once you've made that decision it's about understanding and mm. it's about making sense because I think as, you know, as you intimate at the start, it's a, it's a hard issue. Yeah. It's a complicated issue. And I think actually when you dig in, it's pretty easy to make sense of it. You know, yeah. it wow. so ties in with the experience that many of us have, but but we've got to start with, with that step. Yeah.
1: So often so we think of addiction, just opioids or alcohol. Totally. Or whatever, but can
2: you, yeah.
1: i think what people would be surprised is the addictions to social media to our phones Mm. to all this stuff obviously these are new things can you talk a little bit about
2: that and what what you're seeing out there yeah Yeah, a phone's place addiction it's it's a click away and and the device itself is is addictive and there's a real opportunity actually because there's not many of us who can't kind of put a hand up and say hey, I think I know what it feels like to be controlled by this, this thing, my That's phone, good. in a way that I'm not entirely comfortable with. So, yeah. but what does that do? It, it takes us straight to gambling apps. Mm. It takes us straight yeah. to porn. If if drugs are your thing, it, it's a clinical way. And, and, and we've really got to contend with the fact that the supply side of the addiction problem has really gotten out of control. You know, mm. the, the tap is, is wide open. Um, And these things, of course, are so hidden, you know, a a click away, a phone means you can sustain a gambling addiction, you can sustain a gaming addiction, a porn addiction for a long time undercover. And that's actually bad for us. It it doesn't matter. Wow.
0: Wow. Andy, uh, part of your work, you're the CEO of, I'm sure I'm not going to say this right, Yeldal Manor, a treatment center in England that facilitates long-term sustainable recovery for addicts. So obviously this work you're doing, this book you're writing, again, it's called Hope in Addiction, Understanding and Helping Those Caught in the Grip, is born out of a passion for you and a vocational calling for you. I'm just thinking of our listeners who either struggling with addiction themselves or walking with someone who is loving mm-hmm. someone who is. Uh, what's a What's a word of hope? What's a word of encouragement? What's just something you would like to offer that listener? Mm
2: -hmm. There's a phrase that we use um, in in recovery, which is no one can do it for you, but you can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. And there's an interesting kind of both end to that. And And I think that's my word, really my first word to those who are walking alongside is to say, you know, this is really, really hard. Let's acknowledge that. And then let's ask, who have you got around you? Who's supporting you to, to, to keep you healthy and you well? Because the, the truth of it is, God, God loves you to bits. Yeah. He, he loves your loved one. He actually loves you to bits too. Um, and as you look at the people of God in the wilderness, what did you see? They took this long, hard journey in a desolate place, but they stay close to one another. Yeah. And, and they stay close to the presence of God. And and that would be, for me, the the start point. There's there's loads more to say and there's more in the book around it, but that would be the start point.
1: Yeah. Andy, uh, Aubrey and I are both parents. We both have uh, teenagers of different ages. Uh, What would you say to a parent who's like their intuition's up? They see some yellow flags Mm. in their kid, but they're not Mm. sure what to do because they haven't seen the drugs or whatever else it might Mm. be what what do you tell parents to do if they're just a little bit worried by some things they
2: see in their kids lives mm-hmm. it, it really starts where in the obvious place which is it's having conversations mm-hmm. and, and having connection you know it, it this stuff grows in in dark places yeah and and i think the challenge of that is ensuring that we've got that that level of access to our kids hearts and minds that means they're going to share what's really going on or at least like that tip of the iceberg that's going to help with what's really, really going on. So you know, there's, there's no quick fix. There's no simple one thing, but I think investing, which I think where we always go with this stuff is investing in that relationship to create a sense, hey, I'm a safe place. You know, mm. you're not gonna, I'm not going to lose my stuff because you told me you smoked weed. Mm. Yeah. I'm not going to lose my stuff because you told me that the party you were at there was just cocus alcohol, whatever it might be, I'm not gonna lose my stuff because actually you're telling me you're using porn and that makes me feel uncomfortable because I'm using porn. Mm. You know, let's let's be honest. You know, that, that issue particularly is really in the thick of our of our church life. Yeah. Um and sometimes our own issues stop us um, engaging with our engaging with our kids in, in an honest wow. and a safe way <laughs>
0: wow that is so insightful andy okay andy where can our listeners find your book where can they connect with you and all of the work that you're doing
2: yep yeah, so the book is on amazon um it's in it's in the christian retailers uh the website for the organization so i, I did lead the work at Yale manner in the UK, but I'm currently um, with Novo Communities, which is an organization which supports those in the developing world who are, are creating communities for those in addiction. Oh, so love I'd love it if people could go and look at novocommunities.org. Um, you can contact me through the website. There's some information about the book and there's information about the, the mission of, the, of that charity and, and what we're doing in Bolivia, in Central America and, uh, and elsewhere
0: novocommunities.com be sure to check that out. Andy Partington is the author of Hope in Addiction: Understanding and Helping Those Caught in the Grip. Andy, thanks so much for being here with us thanks, today.
2: Thanks, Andy. A, a, a pleasure. Thank you.
0: We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian From, I'm Aubrey Sampson and you've been listening to The Common Good on
2: AM 1160. Hope for your life.